look, you don't necessarily need direct industry experience to be successful as a franchise owner. And if they're willing to really keep an open mind in terms of what types of businesses they'd be open to explore, it definitely increases the likelihood that we're going to find something that's a really good fit. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, where we'll share our insights on how to make more money, how to help more people, and how to be a better leader for your business and your community. We've been in this game since 1992, and we'll share our successes and failures along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, and I am here today with a friend and franchise consultant. Welcome, Wes Barefoot. Rick, thank you, man. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Listen, I think uh, first and foremost, I don't know, certainly my audience um, has no idea what is a franchise consultant? What does that mean? Yeah, neither do my parents. I've been doing this for like, (laughs) and it's like every time I see them, they're like, so what do you, what exactly is it that you do? I've kind of just given up trying to to explain it to them, but I think your audience will, will uh, catch on a little bit quicker than, uh, than maybe my folks have, but no, it's, it's as a franchise consultant, you know, I, I specialize in helping people, you know, number one, understand franchise ownership and figure out if that's a direction that, you know, even makes sense for them to, to really dig in and explore and assuming it is something they want to learn more about than, you know, at least the way I operate, I've got a pretty methodical process that I take people through that's designed to really help them get clear on, you know, what do they want to achieve through owning a business? Through that, then we can kind of start to understand, all right, what's the right type of business model? What's the right role for them as a business owner to play? And then as we understand some of these things, I've got a network of franchise companies like Alloy that I work with and I'm, I'm part of a network of franchise consultants. So we kind of collectively get together and, you know, vet these brands and and do our research, you know, as a franchise consultant, we want to make sure that, you know, we're working with really, really good brands that have high standards and take good care of their franchise owners. So uh, we've got this kind of network of brands that we work with. So as I'm taking an individual through my process, I'm able to, intelligently make recommendations to them based on what I've learned about them and what they're looking to accomplish through business ownership and come back in and, and say, hey, here's you know three or four specific franchise brands that I think could be really interesting for you. So that's kind of the the first phase of you know how I help someone. The second phase, you know, once we've identified some specific brands, then there's a lot of due diligence and research that needs to be done, right? So it's my role to kind of coach people through that. And some people need more assistance, you know, with that piece of it than than other people do, right? So I really try to kind of meet people where they are and and be as much of a resource as I can be, but also not overstep, right? It's not my role to make decisions for people and say, hey, you should do this franchise or you should not do this franchise. It's really just making sure they know what they are able to do and the right way to go about gathering the information they're going to need so that they can make a good decision for themselves. So that's kind of the 30,000 foot view. You know, obviously there's there's more that goes into it, but you know, and it, and one easy comparison is it's it's kind of similar to having a real estate agent, right? You know, you're in the market for a house, you're going to have certain criteria, you're going to have a budget for, you know, what type of house is going to make the most sense for you. You could spend countless hours, you know, combing the web and looking at listings and driving all over the place, or you could enlist a good real estate agent that's familiar with the market, 
kind of get clear with them on the criteria you're looking for and then let you let them bring you you know some options that are gonna have a higher likelihood of being a good fit so it's one one kind of comparison that that most people can wrap their head around yeah i've heard you say that to me before just in casual conversation and that made the most sense i'm like oh you're right and i i think you and i in that conversation you know i drew a parallel it's like for those of you guys listening that don't understand how this works as a franchisor there are maybe three big organizations that that are sort of these you know housing units if you will for mm-hmm. franchise consultants and as a franchisor we pay to put our franchise in the inventory and the organization sits in the middle and on the other side of the house are the franchise consultants and it's their job to see what they have in the inventory and like you're like you said match it to the right candidate and it's interesting that you said real estate agents because you know there's uh, of the ones that we work with the one that you're with which is called franchise solid you know maybe not as many brokers as other brokers I always say that like everyone hates that you know it's uh, not it's... a broker it's a consultant because <laughs> it's funny because uh, Kim Daly who's a mutual friend of ours who's yeah. like a, you know really good and she's with the same organization franchise that you are and uh, you know she always gets on to me for that so I will like as a joke, we'll text her every now and then. I'm like, how's my favorite broker? She's like, what's up, you. broker? Yeah, what's up? My <laughs> what favorite up, broker? broker. She's like, yeah. don't say that ever. I was like, all right. So not consultant or not broker, <laughs> consultant. Because and, and when I really look at like the more I learned about it, because I had heard that term early on and I was just throwing it around, didn't know. But when I look at what you guys do, it definitely is more consultant than broker because they're, we're going to get into like the psychology of it and all the things you have to do to walk somebody from like, Hey, I'm at big corporate. I want an investment, or maybe I want to leave corporate and take on a start my second life, whatever those things are. Right. And that's not easy as you know, emotionally and yeah. everything else. And you've got to help people navigate that. So, and I would say like real estate agents, um, there's same thing in real estate. There's always a, a few cream of the crop that are just crushing. Right. And they're making a real run and a real business out of this. And then there's a lot of folks in real estate who are like part-time, maybe they sell. Yeah couple homes a year and they dabble in it. It's the same thing from where I sit as a franchisor being part of different organizations, the same thing with consultants. Now, franchise in general is typically everyone's really, I mean, I would joke and say everyone in franchise like balling out of control, but it does feel that way because in some of the other organizations, they might have a lot more, you know, many more consultants, but a lot of them are just, you know, toe in the water, just dabbling. And that's fine too, but it seems like franchise is where the serious folks hang out that really make an impact. So yeah, anyway, it is. Sad. It is. And, and I think it's so I had some some perspective on this before I actually got into to being a consultant. And by the way, it doesn't hurt my feelings if if, uh, you know, you say broker because <laughs> in, a, in a way, I mean, we are right. We're brokering. We're brokering these these deals between franchise buyers and, and franchisors. But to your point, I do think that to do it the right way where you're really adding value to the people that you're working with, you do need to have a very consultative approach to that. And that's, that's part of the franchise culture. But anyways, I worked for a couple of different franchisors prior to getting into consulting and I was mostly in franchise sales and development roles. So I got to work with and interact with these different franchise consulting networks that were out there. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch there was no question in my mind, just based on my previous experience, that franchise was was where I wanted to land. And so I, I do think franchise, you know, is is kind of the the top tier group out there. Obviously, I'm I'm probably a little biased, and and I know some amazing franchise consultants that have great experience and 
you know, really are able to, to help the people that they work with that are, you know, part of different networks out there. But one of the things for me with Franchise is that if you look at the consultants that are especially really active in the group, all of us either own franchises ourselves or have owned franchises and sold them. A lot of them have worked on the franchisor side as well. So, you know, my wife and I own two different brands right now in, in our local market. So, you know, I would like to think that a lot of where I'm able to help people navigate this whole process is in part just helping them learn through my experience, right? And I was very fortunate. I have had some amazing people teaching me and mentoring me along the way and, and kind of helping me figure things out. Um, and so I really try to leverage that personal experience to help the people that I work with. And, and you have a lot of that at Frame Choice as well. But um, yeah, it's it's a good network. The culture is great. And um, we work with some amazing brands. And that's the benefit to a consultant like myself being part of a group versus just going completely out on my own. It would be much harder for me to acquire or accumulate the number of really high quality brands to work with like we do it at Franjoice. Alloy being a, a perfect example of that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, let's dig in a little bit because it's always curious to me, you know, when I first signed up for a consultant network, I was like, oh man, you know, you pay handsomely <laughs> to get your product on the shelf. I'm like, what am I paying these folks? And you know, I was under the impression that you just like grab somebody and throw them over the fence and like I do all the work and then you get paid just for the nod, right? And that's not yeah. it at all. So without giving away your secret sauce, how do you find people that are looking for franchise opportunities? Yeah, it's 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 kind of the million dollar question, right? I mean, like I'll never forget when I when I first approached Franchise because I had a relationship with the folks there and I was like, hey, I'm I'm really strongly considering you know, leaving my current job and and kind of becoming a consultant as a first, they almost try to talk you out of it, right? Because they're like, look, it's not easy to find good quality people to work with. And so, you know, to me, there, there's really not necessarily a, a secret sauce. Uh, at least I, I would say I don't have a secret sauce. Um, again, I'm kind of fortunate in that I really kind of grew up in franchising. I mean, I, I got into franchising a couple years out of college and working for a few different brands, now owning a couple of different brands. I've got a pretty deep network of people that are just already involved in franchising or in one way or another. And so, you know, I've had a lot of success just staying in good contact with my network, making sure they know what I do and and who I'm able to help. So I just tend to get a lot of referrals and and those are the best people to work with because it's usually someone that knows someone that owns a franchise they're curious about it. They're like, yeah, how, how did you get into this? And, and they're like, well, I got a guy actually like first email that popped through today was a referral from a guy that I worked with a, a year and a half ago. Right. And, and he was referring his brother to me. So I really try to stay top of mind with people that, that I know are going to just be in a position every now and then to, to refer people to me. And then I just, I try to put good information out there, right? I mean, what I love about being a consultant is at the end of the day, I don't have anything to sell. I, I don't have any, a single product or service to sell anyone. The time I spend working with anyone is completely free of charge. So I'm able to do that and and not have to really ask for anything in exchange. So I'm a big believer that you know, this whole process is first and foremost about education, right? So I'm constantly just trying to put good information out that's going to 
help people better understand what franchising is because this is something that that may be worth you know spending a few minutes on today but there's so many misconceptions out there for the the majority of people if they haven't really taken the time to research franchising i mean most people think of what food right hamburgers french fries <laughs> tacos whatever but that's like the first thing that comes to most people's mind when they hear the word franchise, unless they have really taken the time to to kind of do some research, but as you and I know, obviously food is a big you know big part of the franchising world. But there's thousands of other types of franchise businesses out there that have nothing to do with food, and so there's a lot of options out there. So, you know, things like a podcast, I've you know been consistently building you know, a, a little community, right? A news, uh, a newsletter list, right? And, and I'm adding people to that every month through a variety of ways. I try to be active on LinkedIn. You know, there's there's all types of things out there. You know, if, if a consultant wanted to, they could essentially buy leads. I, I don't love that approach. I think it's, um, it, it's hard work for one, it's expensive, but you got to kind of do a lot of smiling and dialing and and it's it's usually a, a volume play, right? You buy a bunch of leads and, you know, if you're lucky, you get one or two good people to actually work with out of that. So for those of you listening out there, if you ever go to, you know, a franchise opportunity website and fill out any information, that's that company. They're going to turn around and sell sell your info as a lead to a franchise consultant or, or possibly even a franchise brand. So I don't know if that's a great answer because it's it's kind of all over the place for me. I'm, I'm a believer in having a lot of lines in the water. And, you know, I really just try to take the approach that if I'm adding value and not asking for anything in exchange, you know, good things will happen and, and I'll find great people to work with. And it it, it really kind of does. It just kind of you know, happens. Right. And, and like any, anyone in, in this type of business, like, you know, I have a pipeline and I look at it. Right. And, you know, that pipeline kind of funnels down to, you know, people that are serious and really contemplating investing in a franchise business. But it's one of those things where you're like, you know, some days you're like, wow, my pipeline's a little thinner than I would like it to be. And then things just start happening, right? Like the referral that that popped into my inbox this morning. It's it's like if you think about it, you can almost kind of, in some ways, manifest good people to work with. But but I think your intentions have to be good for that to work. Do you do any? Um, I mean, it sounds like you know you've been in it for a while. You've got you've done good work with people, and obviously, then that drives referrals. And like you said, I mean, that's no different from. You know, geez, Wes, in our fitness business, right? It's like if you help people reach their goals and you treat them well, then you get referrals. And as you know, those are always the best customers because they're they're yeah. getting an, a, an endorsement from someone outside of you, exactly. which is great. But I think the interesting thing about the the structure of the way that the consultant network works, candidates don't pay you a dime. That's the coolest thing. It's like, why would you not hire a shepherd, right, or a guide to like walk you through a maze of you know, legal and this and all the the sort of top heavy nature of franchising? It could be super intimidating. So I think the most yeah. compelling thing is like you're listening to this and you're considering franchising, or you know you're just thinking about what's well, to be interesting and you don't know which franchise or or what you're interested in. Hire a consultant. I mean, hire Wes. It's like, you know what? He's going to walk you through. He's going to do a personality analysis. He's going to figure out like how you're wired. What's the day in the life of for you? Want to, you know, what does that need to look like in your life? How much money do you want to make? What's your investment threshold? What's your financial picture look like? What's your background, your strengths, your weaknesses? Are you social? Are you more introverted? Like, do you want to yeah. work from home? Do you want to have a brick and mortar? It's like, 
it's endless. And if you have someone shepherding you through the process, your likelihood of ending up on something that's a better match is infinitely higher. So you were talking about how a lot of people don't know anything about franchising. This was like a question I had on my list, but what's one thing that you can tell people that is surprising about franchising? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but <laughs> what's something no, that, that you would say, like, what's something that people would be surprised to know about franchising? That's a great question. I, I've got like a couple of answers to that, that, that come to mind immediately. So one is that there's not a direct correlation necessarily between how much it costs to launch a franchise business and the earning potential or the ROI potential. That's something I found is, is counterintuitive to some people. They think, you know, Hey, unless I'm, you know, putting five, six, $700,000 into getting this franchise location open, you know, it's probably, it probably doesn't have a shot of making real money. And, and that's just not the case. I'm not saying that, a franchise that does require that type of capital can't also, you know, be very lucrative and have a great ROI, but it doesn't have to be, right? I mean, one of the the first brand my wife and I got into, service-based business, no brick and mortar component, no heavy equipment or vehicles, literally under $100,000 all in initial investment, and that's a $2 million plus business for us today with ridiculously strong margins. And it it brings in really good income for us. But that's something that I find most people don't necessarily pick up on um, until they've had a chance to really kind of see the full landscape of what's out there and understand how some of these different business models can actually do different things. So I would say that's one I, I would, the other one I think is worth pointing out is that a lot of people would look at a certain franchise like alloy may be an example of this right i'm sure you guys run into this where you know someone may look at me like well i'm not a personal trainer or like i don't have a background in fitness like i work out some or whatever and, and i try to take care of myself but i'm not like a fitness guru therefore how could i own a personal training franchise right and you know you know like i know that most franchisors are not necessarily looking for their franchise owners to have direct industry experience. You're looking for certain skill sets that are going to translate to running your business model successfully, right? And a lot of times, you know, in most franchises, that's got a lot to do with, you know, does the franchise owner have the ability to build a good team and create a good culture and set the tone for the business and, you know, kind of manage the big picture without getting in the way and becoming a bottleneck. So that's something that I definitely spend time on with everyone pretty early into the process is just trying to, you know, break through some of these misconceptions. Um, and and I if if people get that, you know, this last point that look, you don't necessarily need direct industry experience to be successful as a franchise owner. And, and if they're willing to really keep an open mind in terms of what types of businesses they'd be open to explore, it definitely increases the likelihood that we're going to find something that's a really good fit. Yeah, that's great. Cause we, we do get that a lot. And of course you knew that already based on your experience is, you know, people say, do I have to be a fitness expert? And, you know, I think 90% of our current franchisees are more what we would describe as investors mm -hmm. where it, they're not servicing revenue. They're not in there training people as an example, but man, you really nailed it. I think the thing that we're looking for in candidates, because we get this a lot, like what's an ideal candidate for Alloy? And it sounds like it's probably the ideal candidate for any franchise. It's your ability to build a team. We often use this term, Wes. It's like, are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? 
And I say that meaning when we're looking at candidates, a lot of what we're sort of uh, measuring is their ability to attract dynamic talent, right? Yes. They don't have to be yeah. that person, but I'll give you an example. So, I mean, you can imagine the type of person that's going to be the face of a fitness business. They've got to look the part. They've got to have lots of energy. They've got to be extremely outgoing, self-confident, you know, all the things, right? And so when I'm looking at an investor, I, I have to look at it through the lens of like, is this person that's buying this franchise going to attract the type of operator that I just described? And so yeah. if you're, say, introverted and you only work in an office all day and you're a computer programming and you don't have much of a social network and you don't, you know, you've never hired people or led people before, it's going to be a tough road to hoe in this type of franchise. Right. But if you're like, you know, okay, so you're not in great shape, but you do recognize that exercise is good. You probably do it. You just don't do all the things perfectly, which who does, right? Yeah. Um, but you've also, you've built teams before, you know how to lead, you know how to manage, you know how to coach, like game on, right? And we've seen some of our better franchisees, even in these early innings, they just can attract and lead the right talent. That's all. They're just good leaders. And if they're not, they're going to struggle. So that's yeah. one of our big lenses. And then in uh, part of our process, as you know, is what we call the CEO call, which is sort of the gateway to getting to come here for confirmation day, mm -hmm. which is like where we break bread and really meet each other in person. And I ask a lot of questions around that, you know, like, like you know, have you ever built a team, you know, and it just you, you can ask certain questions and you kind of understand who this how this person's built. Um, and it really helps. So I know that you guys use some tools on the front end as you get as you're walking people down this journey and into this matchmaking process, or at least giving them, you know, here's some options I think would fit you. What does that look like? What what are you using? It doesn't have to be the names of the tools, but give me some ideas on how that works. How are you vetting them? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And and I know some um, you know, some consultants rely pretty heavily on like the personality assessments and things of that nature. Um I, I don't I don't use them. Uh I don't I don't know many of the choice or to do. You, Not you the personality them. assessments. No, it's for me, it's it's more just it's all conversational, right? I mean, but there is a process. It's not like this Got just it. kind of open-ended. There's there's clear steps that we're going through, but really the, the way I look at it is for me to genuinely add value to someone that I'm working with and not just throw some cool franchise brands that are hot at the time in front of them and, and hope something works out. I really have to, to dig in and, and get to know the people that I'm working with. Right. So for me, the best way to do that is just good old fashioned. Let's talk. Right. <laughs> and I do, I ask a lot of questions. Right. Um, and so for me, the starting point, and this is another thing that, that I found is kind of counterintuitive for a lot of people we start first. Well, first we start by, you know, talking about their goals, right. And, and really understanding like, what, it, what do you want to achieve? Right. And, and what, what are you maybe not on track to do in your life right now that if you own the right type of business, it would help you get on track to accomplish some of those things. And I've really learned that as crazy as it sounds, a lot of people have really not put a ton of time or thought into to some of these questions, right? And it's like, you know, you've got the surface level answers. Oh, you know, why why would owning a business, well, I want freedom. Well, I want, you know, financial independence or I want control of my schedule or my boss is a dick or like whatever it is. There's like <laughs> four or five kind of canned answers that you're going right. to get to those types of questions. And so, you know, one of the things I've really had to learn over the years, like we got to get way deeper than that for me to really help you, right? And so it's a lot of just, okay, why? 
why why do you want to have financial independence? Well, it'd just be nice to not have to worry so much about money. Well, why? Right? Or or what would you do, you know, if you had an extra $200,000 of income every year? Like what would that allow you to do that you want to do right now but you're not able to? So, point is just a lot of questions, right? And once people start to once you dig a little bit and people start to open up, that's when you really start learning, right? And like I can pick up on things you know, in an hour long conversation that really helped me get a sense of what's the right type of business for them, not necessarily the right brand, you know, that early in the process, but at least kind of general characteristics, right? Um, I mean, an easy example to give is, you know, if you got the guy that's got a great corporate career, good income, good benefits, wouldn't make sense for him to walk away from that cold turkey, but he likes the idea of owning a business, likes the idea of having another income stream, building an asset he could potentially sell one day, while at the same time laying the groundwork so that if he wants to exit corporate or is forced out of corporate, he's already got something going. That's a very different type of franchise buyer from you know the guy that's been working a nine to five and finally got fed up and, and said, you know what, I'm done. I've always wanted to start my own business and I'm going to go all in on it. Very, very different types of candidates. They're not going to, the the same business is likely not going to make sense for both of them. That's just kind of an easy example, right? How much, how much time do you have to put into it? But, and then, you know, once I've had a couple of meetings with someone and, and I put a lot of thought into the structure of these meetings, right? So again, it's not just like, hey, let's jump on the phone and, and you know, talk for an hour right. or, and hopefully I get a few nuggets out of it. There's, there's a, a process and a lot of it's me just asking questions and then kind of relaying back what I've heard and making sure I'm understanding it correctly. So I'd say the biggest tool, once I've gathered enough information, I do what I call a strategic business model for, for each candidate that I work with. And it's really just me compiling all the notes that I've taken. I do have a questionnaire that someone fills out for me um, early in the process, which gives me you know some really good context and, and some good background info that's filled out for me prior to what I call an in-depth consultation. And that's where we spend usually an hour to an hour and a half really digging deep on some of these things. But once we've done that, I do a strategic business model where I'm essentially outlining their goals for owning a franchise, what their ideal role as the franchise owner looks like. And we get to that by talking about not only like how much time do you have to put into this, but you know, I ask them a lot of questions around what they've already done up to that point in their professional career. What did you what do you like most about your current job? Right. What are what are you most proud of accomplishing over the course of your career thus far? What what do you hate to do? What 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 are some of the responsibilities you've had and you absolutely hate it? It doesn't even mean you're not good at it necessarily, but you just in a perfect world would never have to do those activities. That's gonna help me get a really good sense of what type of business is going to make sense for them simply based on what the expectation of the franchise owner is. You know, you did a really good job of kind of explaining what that looks like for Alloy, but it's different in different types of businesses and, and even with different brands. And so that's a really good indicator for me. So we do this strategic business model. And then I've got kind of a process that I use to essentially put together what I call a short list of brands that I think you know, are kind of lining up based on everything I've learned. 
And then there's a series of things that that we go through to kind of narrow that list down to get to a point where I can come back and make some initial recommendations. I, I usually suggest looking at three franchise concepts at a time, no more than four, to, to actively go through the due diligence process that a brand has in place, do it the right way. Anything more than four at a time is, is usually information overload, uh, and people just start to get distracted and, and they don't really accomplish much of anything. But it doesn't mean we're limited to just three or four in total. And, and I tell people like, hey, it can be really valuable to compare and contrast some very different franchise businesses, right? Like I have, I have a lot of candidates that, you know, when they come to me, they have no clue what they want, right? They don't have any of these kind of preconceived notions like, oh, I need this type of business or I need this. That's my favorite person to work with as long as they're willing to keep an open mind. So I might have them look at a good service-based business and then I might have them look at something like Alloy that's brick and mortar uh, recurring revenue type business model, right? Most people, as they start learning more about specific businesses, they start to become much more clear on what they like in a business and what they don't like. And so, you know, sometimes we do one or two iterations of that where, hey, this brand's not a good fit and here's why, but their feedback to me helps me kind of continue to to dial it in. Um, so hopefully that all makes sense. But um, I probably didn't do myself many favors with that, but there, there's not really like... <laughs> this, you know, magical process or this magic curtain that, you know, all, all this stuff kind of happened sure. to me. It's, and, and like I said, other, other consultants have different processes and, and probably some fancier tools and things that they learn. But for me, it's just really taking the time to get to know the people that, that I'm working with. And, yeah, and that's where I can really help. Yeah. It's interesting that again, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, there's so many parallels. I mean, you know, Again, I'll, I'll talk about like what we do for our consumer to our consumers. So yeah, we're one of the few fitness brands that does like an induction session to to get someone started. And I think it's super important to do that. You know, we call it the starting point session, and it's a one hour time that people they spend with us before we induct them into. Again, this is business to consumer, right? Right. But one of the first processes in that hour is what we call peel the onion, which is exactly what you talked mm -hmm. about because people come in and you know they. We always say, you know, sometimes they'll sit down with somebody who's fit and they think what they're thinking about what you think they need to do. Like they might be thinking, well, I don't feel great about myself. Here's a really fit individual. So when they ask you what you want to do, you almost tell them what they think that you need. Like they, they might say, well, I mean, obviously I want to lose weight. And they say that from a stance of like, well, I'm sure that you think I need to lose weight. So that's what I'm going to say. But then if you say, well, why do you want to lose weight? Like, why is that the number one goal? It's like, well, you know, I, you know, or how much weight? It's like, well, 20 pounds. Well, why 20 pounds? Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, maybe it's not. And then they'll say something like, well, it's not 20 pounds. And honestly, I just want more energy to keep up with my kids or whatever. I just don't feel good about the way I look. And, and it becomes maybe more than like what you would see at the surface of fitness. Yeah. I think everyone thinks aesthetics, like six pack abs for the beach or something silly or it's, it turns out to be not that it turns out to be like things that would improve in my life. I don't think it's lost on anyone in this day and age that like being fit and whatever that means, it, it helps every area of your life. And so, yeah. but you got to peel the onion. Otherwise, to your point, you're coaching to a franchise that would not be a good fit because you didn't dig deep enough to get the real why we might be lead 
pushing them towards a goal that they don't even really want. It's just something that they threw out there. And we just took that surface answer and ran with it. It's like, no, no, dig in a little bit, find out their real why, you know, and a lot of times for us, it's so personal fitness is if you ask enough why questions, you got folks in tears because they just don't feel good about where they are. And it's like, similarly, I'm sure to a career move. It's like, you know, they're stuck. They never took their shot. It's like, I've always dreamed of being an entrepreneur, but I've got this fear. And it's like, okay, franchising mitigates some of that. But even statistically speaking, you're far more likely to be successful in a franchise than if you go it alone. So let's get to know you and dig in and then match you to the right franchise. So I love it, man. There's just so many parallels. I mean, I think it just it speaks to any business. Like this is how you should onboard anybody that you're going to do business with, right? Yeah, 100, 100%. And you have to peel that onion and get deeper. But it's it's in in both of the examples we've used, not only is it is it helping you know, the individual, the alloy customer or, you know, the candidate that I'm coaching through this process, but if you really can understand what the the driving motivators are, what their real why is, you know, four or five layers deep, when things get hard and they want to give up, you've got that why to kind of bring them back to, which for most people is going to help them stay motivated and keep pushing forward even when they may want to give up, right? If you never figured that out and you're just like, well, hey, remember you told me you wanted to lose about 20 pounds. I'd be like, yeah, screw that. That's too hard. I've lost eight. <laughs> I never I've lost eight. That. That's pretty good. Like you almost round eight up to 20. Like I, I pretty much hit my goal. I want to dig in here a little bit, if you don't mind. So how much do you think, I know where you, I know your influences and who you pay attention to and whatnot. And you and I are on the same page, which is why we get along so well. But what? how much do you think um, resiliency, maybe mental toughness isn't the right word, but in that vein, like do you stress people that are getting into because you just mentioned it like things are going to be hard like entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is not for whims it's amazing but the amazing part is overcoming the challenges you literally i've always described entrepreneurship it's a self development journey disguised as a business growth is <laughs> painful that. you know growth is painful sloppy it's like you're, you yeah. a lot of your struggles are going to be just getting used to living with certain levels of stress and decision-making that you might not have had in the past. You don't have a marketing department, a compliance department, and a legal, I mean, it's like, it's you, baby, that's it. Yep. So do, do you do any training around that? Are you looking for those kind of attributes? How much do you think mental toughness and resiliency plays into being successful? Yeah, I, I think it plays a huge role. I think the the good news with that is, you know, you can, you can train mental toughness just like you can train your body, right? Um, you know, obviously probably some people are just naturally wired to, to be a little more resilient or, or mentally tough, but I think it's something that you can intentionally work on and get better. Like I did a cold plunge this morning, 40 degrees, last thing I wanted to do. Right. But not only is if you're only you, listening, uh, Wes is wearing a fuzzy hat and a barca right now, and he I've lives been, in, on the beach in North Carolina. So yeah, I've been that's shivering a, the whole time. My lips are blue. Um, but it's, so anyways, like there's things that anyone can kind of intentionally do, put yourself in uncomfortable situations so that you're kind of training yourself to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So, yeah, it's something that we talk a lot about as we're going through the process. And, you know, not only business ownership is hard, but even getting to the point where you commit to to doing a business is hard. And so, I mean, for me, the first thing is, because if if people are being honest with me, it, at some point it comes up. And I, I think I've gotten better over the years at just kind of addressing this early in the process. Like, look, 
this is scary, right? This is in all likelihood something that you've never done before. Uh, even stepping out on a limb and, and putting yourself out there to do the research, right? Like we're far from you having to actually commit to anything, but this is kind of un uncharted territory for most people as we go through the process. And it's natural that you're going to have some, uh, I call it FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right? So I think the first thing is just, you know, reminding people that it's it's normal, right? And anyone that that would tell you, oh, I'm not a little bit nervous or, or I don't have some fear at play when I'm about to, you know, make this life impacting decision, they're full of it, right? I, anyone that's being honest, there's some of that. Like I, I can remember being nervous as hell when we wired the funds and signed the franchise agreement on our second brand, right? You'd think that like, all right, you, you've already done this once and, and it's gone pretty well. You know, got some confidence, like maybe there wouldn't be as much of that, but it was, it was scary, you know? And, and I don't <laughs> think it, I don't think it ever goes away entirely, but um, so reminding people that, that that's normal. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, making sure they have, realistic expectations of what business ownership is. And I think in particularly with the franchise, like I, I really work hard to make sure that people understand what they're getting with a franchise. And it's not, it's not an easy button in the sense that, Oh, the franchisor is going to come in and build this business for me. You know, if you, if you get in with a really good franchise, you're getting, a playbook, you're getting great systems and processes that have been proven to work. If you really listen and leverage all of the resources, you know, and in, in one way you're you're paying to avoid mistakes that the franchise or another franchisees before you have already made. And that's all incredibly valuable, but you still have to do the work as the yeah. franchise owner. And and it, you know, even with the best franchise out there. None of them are perfect. Alloy's pretty damn close, but but no Come franchise on, is perfect. Uh, <laughs> top marks, but just not not quite there. But you know, there's there's going to be crappy days, right? right. Like as, there's going to be days where it just feels like nothing's going right. It feels like goals you have are are unattainable, and you're you're questioning like why why in the world did I do this and subject myself to this. You know, there should be far more good days than there are bad days, but you will have those bad days. And uh, so, yeah, I think making sure people have realistic expectations. One of the things I have to be at peace with, though, is like I can I can guide someone through this process. But like I mentioned earlier, I can't make decisions for people and I can't commit for people. And so, right. you know, like there's you people can't want it more than they do. We say that sometimes where it's yeah. like, listen. I wish I could come in and run your business for you. I need you to want it as much as I do for yeah. you, right? That's that's a that's a great point. Yeah, and and so there's definitely times where I have to be pretty candid, you know, with someone that I'm working with and say, "Look, I I don't know that this is the right direction for you because you can when you're working through this process with someone, you, it's really good foreshadowing of how they're going to operate as a business owner if they do, right? Yes. If they're stalling on making decisions, right? Or like there's there's steps that a candidate has to go through, right? Like you're going to want a candidate to talk to some of your franchise owners. And and most brands, I assume you guys operate this way, but most brands are like, hey, if you want to talk to some owners, that's cool. And, you know, here's how you can get in touch. Like most kind of have it set up as a requirement, right? Like yep. you're not, we're not going to approve you to buy a franchise if you haven't gone out and done some good validating yep. and had some good conversations 
with our franchise owners because we want to make sure you have realistic idea of what this business really is, right? And what it takes to be successful. But you'll have some candidates that you're like, all right, so you know, here's how you can get in touch with some owners, or we do these calls every week or whatever the case is, and, and they don't do anything, right? Or or you know, two weeks later, you feel like you're pulling them through the process because again, you want it more than they well, do. Like, yeah. To your point, like if we have a CEO call scheduled and that's the that's the stepping stone to get to a confirmation day and you consistently aren't showing up because you're too busy. Yeah. No shot, man. It, it, it's like that's not a good sign because following process is, a, like you said, that's a big indicator, right, for for people being successful long term. So it, it's so similar, man. It's, it's really interesting. Well, what I like about it, what I like about the, I guess, the you know, we work with a franchise mm-hmm. development group. And they came up with these shirts at your last conference, the freaking frack. That's kind of what it is like between, say, you and I, or I'd say our franchise dev team and you. It's sort of helping navigate, like, is this a good fit? Is it not? Yeah. You know, here's what we're seeing. It might be concerning. You may address that with the candidate. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I, I didn't mean it to come off that way or or whatever. But it's, it's. I think the most important thing for people to hear is that it's a double vetting process. So yes. your job isn't just to, like, sell someone something. Your job is to get them aligned with an opportunity that fits all the criteria that you've already talked about. But keep in mind that the franchisor, it's, they want, it's a fractionalized partnership. They have, they have to pick good partners. I mean, look, we're working in a royalty. That means if the franchisee is not successful, I'm not, we have to work together for 10 years. So it is 100% a double, a double vetting process. And what I like about working with consultants is that's coached along the way. So typically an organic lead versus a consultant lead is they're they're hearing from folks like you look these folks you know leadership's a big deal to them so like you have to show up on time and you do this and that and if you really want this opportunity you've got to show up as your best self and i find that the the candidates that come from the consulting network especially the good ones like yourself they're just well coached right and not in a way that they show up falsely but they show up with the right expectations. Right. They follow procedure because they've been coached to do so. And they understand that, hey, I'm being vetted as well. So if I want this opportunity, I've got to show up as my best self. Yeah, 100%. That's, you know, your question earlier, uh, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but that's that's another misconception or something that I I find a lot of people don't understand with franchising. And, and every now and then, like most, most people, especially once you kind of explain it, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And, and it's, especially if you got really explain like how the franchise business model works, right? Like you said, royalty based, right? I mean, that's how franchisors really make their money. It's not on the upfront fees. And so if you don't have successful franchisees that are continuing to grow their business over time, your royalty stream is not going to be strong. And you're going to have a very hard time continuing to sell franchises, right? Because of what we just talked about, where someone's going to go and validate and talk to other owners. So most people, you know, don't need a ton of convincing once you kind of explain like, you know, this really is a mutual process. The good franchises out there, I always, when I'm talking to people, I make sure I say when franchising's done right, the good franchise brands out there, because you know, as well as I do, not all brands are created equally. And there are franchises out there that will do what I uh, call the mirror test, right? If you can fog a mirror, they'll sell you a franchise. But <laughs> the really good brands use a process like you just described where it's a mutual evaluation and you have to get approved. Right. And so like I just uh, earlier this morning did a coaching call with a candidate of mine that was flying out to a discovery day with a brand 
today. And I know that this particular brand is very, very focused on owners that really have a passion for, for what the business does and the clients that they serve and really wants to, you know, have a positive impact in their local community. Now, most brands would probably say that, but like this brand in particularly, like it's very, they don't, they don't want to, like, yeah, it seems like a great business opportunity. Like they, they know people want it if they get into the business and they want them to make money, but they're very, they're very big on that wire. So anyways, point is I did like a 20 minute coaching call with him. And, and like you said, it wasn't so that he would like show up and be someone he's not, or act like something he's not. But the way I present this to any of my candidates is like, look, you want to keep the decision in your court, right? You want to keep the ball in, in your court. Don't, let the franchisor make the decision for you. And I've had it twice this year. No, once this year, someone went to discovery day. He was cocky. He had an ego. He went, you know, essentially with the pretense to like, you know, prove to me why I should grace your brand with my presence as a franchisee. And they, they freaking didn't approve him. And he was pissed. Right. But like, he didn't respond to any of the coaching. We talked about all of this. And right. he, well, and you you know what? Honestly, they probably did him a favor because that would not have yeah. been a pleasant experience for either party in a 10-year relationship. Yep. With someone who, you know, maybe that individual is like they think they know better. So you're buying a proven business system, yet you want to go off and do your own thing. It's like, well, don't do franchising then. Like if you've got it all figured out, good on you, man. Go do your own thing. But if you want a yeah. shortcut, right, and you're willing to follow a a, a lead. I think there's a term I've heard for this. I don't know if you, it's ever, it even makes sense, but instead of being like a true entrepreneur, which are just insane, believe me, I'm one. So you're rat, you know, squirrel brains all over the place and you, you've done a lot of wacky things. It's like, you're looking for more of an intrapreneur is the way I've heard it described, which is like, you have the risk tolerance. You have some of the risk tolerance. You're willing to take a shot. You think you can lead people, but you're also willing to to work within a system. Does that sound fair? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say there are absolutely people out there that are too entrepreneurial to where a, a franchise is just not not going to be a good fit. They'd probably be a terrible franchisee. The franchisor would pro probably you know look at them as as a pain in their ass or whatever. But yeah, so those those people are out there for sure. And I, I think especially you know people that have successfully built businesses on their own may find you know, a, a franchise is a little bit constraining, but at the same time, I've worked with people that are, you know, maybe kind of on the tail end of their working career. They've built very successful businesses, their own. So they know full well <laughs> how much time and blood and sweat and tears go into it. And they're like, you know what? I'm 55. Like I want to do another business, but I don't have 15 years to, to build it. Like right. I want to get something going faster. So, but yeah, there, there's people that I would say are too entrepreneurial, to own a franchise, but it's an interesting point too, because this is something I talk about with, with my candidates as we go through the process, because, you know, you could, you could look at a very mature, very well-established brand that's been franchising for 15, 20 years, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of franchisees, that's a very different type of franchise to get into than, you know, maybe something like Alloy that's, you know, got a great foundation, great track record pre-franchising, great foundation as a franchise brand today. But as you said earlier, still kind of in the early innings, right? Like some of your more entrepreneurial minded candidates may enjoy getting in 
with a brand earlier that's still emerging because most brands want their franchisees to, after they've got the basics down, try some new things, report back. Hey, I tried this, this worked, this didn't. So there, there are ways that we can, you know, if I've got someone that's like, Hey, I, I really, you know, like to think entrepreneurially and think outside of the box and try new things. Like there's some brands that could be a better fit for them in that regard than, than others. And, you know, you'll have those candidates too. They're just like, literally give me the playbook. I will do whatever you tell me to do. And so sometimes your emerging concepts are not necessarily going to be the best, best fit for those people. So it's, it's something we talk about and it can have an impact on like what brands I would actually recommend. Yeah. Very cool. So there's a lot that goes into it. I think that's what I want people to hear. I mean, this is our first ever conversation I've had with a franchise consultant. And I think people don't fully understand what you guys do, even your parents apparently, but (laughs) hopefully they'll listen. Hopefully your parents will listen in, right? That's my only listener is my mom. So I hope yours is doing the same. Yeah. My mom yeah. every now and then listens and then I I drop a curse word or something and I have to hear about it. Um, right. Why is that? Why do you have that potty mouth? Yeah. You've only dropped one. I'm really proud of you, by the way. You've only dropped one so far. So have I? Well, let's that wrap this good. thing up, man, because I know that uh, people, you know, they, they probably have the day their day to get on with. But yeah, I like the way that I love the process. I, I learned a lot today. Just I didn't realize how much went into it and then how much you also it, there's just so many parallels between that and and like leading someone to a conclusion in fitness or anything else. So, yeah, I think there's a lot yeah, of similarities yeah. and there's probably a lot of nuance that, that you didn't even get a chance to discuss. But well, let's end with this, because I really like the way you think. I like the way you're wired, which is why we're friends. Um, what's the best piece of advice that West Barefoot has ever received? Oh, man, I would say. Actually, that's that's a pretty easy one now that I think about it. Learn to fear regret more than you fear failure. Oh, I think if you if you can make that mindset shift, it will make anything you try to do the rest of your life far more easier. It just completely changes the lens that you're looking at life through, right? You know, I've gotten to a point where there's nothing that scares me more than the thought of, you know, laying on my deathbed or whatever, as cheesy as that sounds, and and just uh-huh. having all these what ifs, right? What if I would have tried that? What what would have happened if I would have tried that? Like, I think I think a lot of times we really overthink what failure is and how bad it actually could be, and and it causes us to to get paralyzed and not do things that we really should do or or should try. And so that's, that's probably the best, best piece of advice, you know, I've ever received and would give to anyone else, especially if you are, you know, thinking entrepreneurially and, and have, you know, things you want to do as an entrepreneur. To me, there's nothing scarier than, than regret. And, you know, failure is just an opportunity to learn and get better. Do you mind if I add to that a little bit? Please, please. Again, do. it's like I feel like we could do probably five episodes in a row and just I know. talk mindset. But I know. you know what's interesting about that is when we have a discovery day, we always wrap up. My last slide of the day is uh, is about a, an Australian hospice nurse named Bronnie Ware. And Bronnie Ware was a, a hospice nurse in Australia for like 30 years. And after a few years in, I mean, you know, you're spending your last, you're spending the last few weeks of people's lives with them. And so she started to just ask questions about like, what were your greatest regrets? You know, if you could go back, what would you change? And it was interesting. So she ended up writing a book. It's called the five regrets of the dying. 
but it's the number one regret is the one that I find most interesting of all. And it was, it was simply this. I mean, listen, I'll go to number two, which is kind of laughable in the context of this conversation, but you know, number two was, I wished I hadn't worked so hard. And I think when you look at the context of that was, okay, she was, you know, at the time that she was practicing as a nurse, um, you know, people were working for the man, so to speak, and they would do their 50 years, get their gold watch and their pension right off into the yeah. sunset. And then they would look back and be like, what was all that for? Why did I yeah. work so hard? Right. I think when you look at entrepreneurship, certainly what we're doing where our business literally changes lives, that's kind of off the table. But number one is so compelling and it speaks to exactly what you said. And the number one regret for 30 years for people that are in their last few weeks of life was this. I wished I'd had the courage to live the life that I wanted to, not the life that other people expected of me. And I think, you know, to lie there in your last few weeks and know that you never took your shot, you never did it when you had the chance and you thought about it, you were in your early fifties and you were like, hey, you know, should I take my shot? And you didn't do it. I can't imagine the feeling of lying there. Just what you said, you painted the picture perfectly and you said it sounded silly. It doesn't. There's literally been a book written about it. It was the number one regret in everyone's life. So I think there's something that's really there. I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's a big deal. And we share the same thing. It's like, look, man. If you ever thought about it, franchising is a great way to take your shot. It mitigates some of the risk. But at the end of the day, you got to take your shot. You know, you yeah. got to find the brand you're comfortable with and go for it. So I appreciate you, man. That's that's amazing advice. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thank you. I appreciate our friendship. And uh, I learn new things every time we chat. And I uh, really appreciate you inviting me on the show. But hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. I can't can't speak highly enough of Alloy and the business that you've built. And, you know, one of the things I look very closely at you know, with, with brands that we work with. And if, if I'm going to be comfortable recommending a brand to someone, I look very closely at the leadership of the company, you know, who's steering the ship and, you know, you're, you're top of the list, man. I have a lot of respect for you and and appreciate our friendship. So thanks my friend. Well, how can people find out more about West barefoot? Yeah. Uh, path to freedom, um, is kind of my, my personal brand, I guess you would call it. So I've got a website. It's, uh, just path, the number two frdm.com. So short form for, for freedom. Um, I do a podcast. Rick's been on the podcast. It's the path to freedom podcast. Um, you can find that on any of the, uh, podcast platforms out there. And other than that, I'm pretty active on, uh, on LinkedIn. So yeah, would love to connect with anyone and, and help in any way that I can. All right, my friend, ladies and gentlemen, West barefoot. Thank you, brother. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, check us out at alloyfranchise.com for more information on the Alloy systems. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can spread the good word and help more people.